The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. from Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. If you'd like to join in the discussion, email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm or call into the program with your questions. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. Thank you to lit for all of you that are listening with us today. We're very glad that you're joining, and we're uh, glad that you are letting your friends and the people in your recovery community, in your spiritual community, in your unity community, know about Spirit of Recovery. It's great to be broadcasting about recovery on Unity FM, Unity Online Radio, and we love hearing from you. We love getting your emails, your comments. We love hearing from you on Facebook. So thanks so much. We know that we are bringing you some good information. We have wonderful guests every week, and uh, we know that we're touching your heart and giving you some new ideas and some new depth and inspiration for you as you are on your recovery walk. Every week we talk about topics that are important to the recovery community and our guests are people who are down to earth, who are knowledgeable and innovative. Our guests are people who are either in recovery themselves or who work with or write for uh, people who are in recovery. And they're always bringing you practical information and insights and lively discussions, ideas that can get you thinking and get you moving forward in new ways in your recovery. Please know that we're... uh, have lots of archives now on our Spirit of Recovery page on unity.fm. You can go to www.unity.fm backslash program backslash Spirit of Recovery and you can find a year's worth or or more of archives and uh, download those and listen to them at your leisure. Also, you can listen to Spirit of Recovery on your mobile listening device. So uh, there's lots of avenues now that you can uh, find the program Uh, Spirit of Recovery and other programs on Unity FM. Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place and we know that recovery is a large experience and so if you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction or if you're a family member that's in your own recovery as a family member or a family member or a friend of someone that has the disease of addiction whether or not they're in recovery or you're simply interested about the process of recovery and you want to learn more about it, we welcome you. We're glad you're listening, and we welcome your participation in our discussions. Again, my name is Anna Schaus. I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a Unity minister. I'm a recovery counselor. And I'm also a person who has in my circle of love and friendship many people with the disease of addiction. And 30 years ago, those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth and recovery and spiritual development. And my spiritual walk continues to be an integration of recovery principles and unity principles. And I'll tell you, it keeps me uh, growing and keeps me uh, transforming my life in ever deeper ways. So I'm very grateful, very delighted to have the opportunity to share these ideas about spirituality and about recovery with you. And I'm very interested to hear what's happening for you in your recovery and spirituality walk. Today our topic is falling apart or coming together. We're going to be talking about change. 
and my guest is Chris Castaldi. Chris is a longtime member of the recovery community, and she is also the coordinator for the Northwest Region of Unity Churches of Middle School Youth Programs. She also is an experiential educational facilitator, and she has 35 years of experience as a nurse. And uh, Chris is going to be talking with us about how she has experienced change, which she certainly has in many, many ways. And um, we're going to be hearing all about that today. So, Chris, welcome to Spirit of Recovery. Well, thank you, Anne. It's a, it's a delight to be here with you today. We're glad glad that you're here. So, I know that you have uh, experienced change in a variety of ways. And um, some of those ways you maybe consciously chose yourself. Some of them probably seem like they jumped on you from out of the blue. And um, maybe all the way in between. And uh, you've got lots of interesting stories I know that you're going to tell us today about change and how you experience uh, that with yourself and how you actually facilitate change processes with other people. But I'm wondering if we could start out by telling us what was one of the first big changes in your life, in terms of in terms of awareness of my um, addiction, it was when I moved with my family, three little kids, and my husband from the very edge of the East Coast all the way to the very edge of the West Coast, and I found myself without familiar patterns, without um, family and friends, and for the first time, I was outside of my nursing community. I was I was home with my kids. So um, that was a lot of change. Mm-hmm. Um, I never uh, moved with children before, and as a child, I never moved. I was brought home from the hospital, was raised in one house, and left that house to be married. So this move with family, um, without plunging into the nursing world, was um, a really very significant move for me and woke me up. What were some of the ways that, that you woke up, and how did change uh bring that about? Um, It was an awareness of how I picked up my patterns of addiction. At the time, it was with with drugs, and when I put those down, it became with food. And and, um, the most stark story I have is my eldest was 11 years old, and I came out of my bedroom and I met my daughter on the, as she was coming downstairs, and I realized that I was repeating the pattern that I had had with my mother, and that it it was um, it was a disease. It was a process that needed to be changed, or I would carry out this generational pattern. It kind of brought me right to the crossroads, and I was awake enough. I, you know, my higher power was in the foyer that day because I still am amazed that I woke up in that very moment. And within a couple of days, I was in a, I was in a recovery community doing my work. Right. I'm curious that um, you said, you know, that, that the move was what jogged. And initially, you, you could see that you had patterns. Before you made the move from the East Coast to the West Coast, were you aware that there was anything going on in your life that wasn't working well? Were you trying to make some changes and you couldn't, or, were you, or did you feel like you were pretty much totally asleep? Um, we knew that the move to the West Coast would bring something fabulous, and we did not speak about our substance um, abuse, but we knew something big was coming. You know, we were of that, and I don't know what the statistics are, but we were still... Um, successful in our professional careers. It, it wasn't bringing us to the, uh, to the gutter, so to speak. And um, so we were still pretty blinded. I was blinded to the process that I was in. And, and I, I had to have my surroundings, my extended family and um, my work community removed to be just one with my children, my responsibilities, um, it would, to my family. And that that was pretty much the pattern that uh, woke me up. I can't say that I was awake before I came west. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. did make some attempts to go back to the pattern. Right. So it's sort of like when you were there, in in a sense, in in that stark, uh, as you said, without your surroundings, it's like it. 
what you were doing really showed up and, and you felt the impact of it. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm here for something new and something better, something different, um, and um, why am I still doing the same old thing? And, and where is that taking me? And then, it, you know, I became awake to the destruction, mm-hmm. the family destruction, as I had experienced it as an 11-year-old myself. That's a very strong connectivity. That's when I put together my parents' behavior um, and how it was connected to alcohol. I put that together very strongly as an 11-year-old. Carried that forth. And none of, nobody in my family was in recovery or talking about alcoholism or family dynamics at that time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you went into your um, into your treatment program and, and started doing that, what were some of the first awarenesses you have uh, about yourself? What what began to change in terms of your own self-perception? I realized that I had a, ne- a very negative self-perception, that I didn't like myself. And um, I have to say that um, my first sponsor, you know, go off and get a sponsor again, I am I am grateful and still not clear why I was willing to follow that direction. There was a period where I was very willing to follow direction because I had no internal direction if I wasn't acting an active um, addict. And so she said, get yourself a spiritual home. And within five days of that direction, and I'm going, what am I going to do with that? There was a, um, I I had the, the newspaper, the small town newspaper coming, because I needed to find out what my community was alike, was like, and there was a article in there um, by the a new new church coming to our town, and uh, the minister, the unity minister, gave an interview and said so many things that resonated with me about a non-judgmental God and a non-gendered God, and. Um, it was just an amazing article, and I said to myself, I think I can step into that church because, of course, my sponsor was saying, step into a spiritual home. I don't care what it is. Get yourself there. So I got myself there and found and found unity, and it's mm-hmm. been my home ever since, 22 years. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. So you really found the recovery and the unity about the same time then. I Oh, yes, yes. It was, you know, my, my sponsor. I mean, it was... Um, divine order that that the right and perfect woman was there for me and gave me those directions. And then, of course, the universe provided me a brand new church to show up in. The funny story that people laugh about is uh, unity are huggy people. And I was very uh, vulnerable and protecting myself and really not knowing myself, so I really didn't want to hug anybody. And my family is not a huggy group. And I bolted out of that church (laughs) every Sunday for a couple of months, and that was fine until I could finally start talking to people. Mm-hmm. People laugh at that now. They still remember how I used to bolt out, and I said, well, I just didn't want to hug y'all. Yeah. <laughs> that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. I think people do feel that sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's a very vulnerable place to remove the pattern. Mm-hmm. So, um, Chris, I'm wondering what it was. What um, what happened for you next? What was another experience that you had with change? Mm, well, if I speak about um, my recovery community world, um, it was uh, working the steps and writing and being responsible to another person who was in um, so so supportive of me and. Um, and besides that, it had to be the first time I the traditional words are fell off the wagon. And of course, it was when I flew back home to um, go to a, a family ceremony and um, a favorite great aunt had passed away. And so I went back home and within, you know, 30 minutes of getting off the plane, I was being offered drugs and alcohol. And um, I fell off the wagon. So I came back home and I called my sponsor from the East Coast, and then I came home and just started doing my work, and it gave me another level of awakening. Um, and it was shortly after that that I started um, serving youth 
in the Unity Church. And um, the youth are a loving place to start um, showing up. I did. I felt like a kindergartner, um, learning spiritual principles and learning how to live again. I said, this must be what it feels like to go on the big school bus and get off into a strange new world as a child. So, um, yeah, so that was a big turning point for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I know sometimes when when people get into recovery process, what begins to happen is is those years that maybe uh, you were numbed out or you had to hide out as children. It's almost like your life kind of, you go back and, and live it forward maybe in an accelerated rate, but it's almost like you have to go back and live it all over again. I don't know. Did you find that? Absolutely. Oh, yes. I felt that I was emotionally um, at about a 12-year-old, which is when I first started using um, drugs and alcohol. It was between my 11th and 12th year in the beginning of middle school. So I was right back there, um, had a sheet of paper with all the feeling words in it. People would ask me, how do you feel? Well, let me look at the sheet of paper. <laughs> Um, because you're numbing those. I was, you know, actively medicating those for all my teenage years. Yeah. And it works until it doesn't work anymore, and then um, there's an awakening. So, yes, I did start as a 12-year-old. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. What do you notice, as, as you have worked with uh, teens and youth for a long time now, what do you notice about how they handle change in their lives? What have you learned from them? Well, I've learned that they, um, through the 15 years that I've worked with them, that number one, they are becoming more and more adept at collaboration. We used to have to um, really encourage collaboration. And right now, in the last five or seven years, they come as um, our, our leaders, our gurus in collaboration in allowing um, the creativity and problem-solving of many different types of people to come together and to work together. That's amazing um, to see. And back in the beginning when I started working with them in the late 90s, they were accepting and they were loving and they were patient despite what many people say about middle schoolers. They were very patient with me. Um, When I faced my fears, and, and when I'm up on, in a challenge course, up on a tree, on a wire, everything is a metaphor for life. And uh, practicing being right in the very moment is never more brought to point when you are standing on a wire and wondering if you can move your foot another inch. It, that has so much metaphor in it. And to have young people, 11, 12, 13-year-olds, saying, we love you, Chris, we love you right where you are. And then turning, turning toward prayer and looking at a quivering leaf and turning toward prayer um, that the divine and I are one and will take that next step with me. And those steps over the course of three years led me to making it to a platform that's about the level of the floor on a three-story house and uh, putting on some climbing gear, and uh, having a team of middle schoolers at the bottom of the zip line. Well, uh, hang on to that one. It's time for a break, but we want to hear the okay. rest of this story. My guest <laughs> okay. is Chris Castaldi, and our topic is falling apart or coming together. Stay with us, and we'll be right back. If you've been inspired by the programming on Unity Online Radio, we hope you'll give your support so others may be inspired too. This online radio network depends on the love offerings of listeners to continue operating and expand its outreach. Please visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you. He's the most talked about figure in history. How do you see Jesus? As a savior, a way shower, a mythical hero, 
In his cutting-edge new book, Jesus 2.1, an upgrade for the 21st century, Reverend Dr. Thomas Shepard explores the many human concepts of Jesus. The man of Nazareth has been an imaginary spiritual playmate for millions. Best friend, confidant, silent lover, surrogate father, brother, husband, trusted king when earthly governments fail, all-purpose superhero who will save the day before the final credits roll. Jesus is like a program that has been adapted through the ages while the basic code remains undisturbed despite all subsequent modifications. Now it is our time to rewrite and reinstall the Jesus program with updates for today, just as every previous generation has done and every subsequent generation will do. The Romans killed Jesus for being a revolutionary. Every succeeding generation kills him anew by losing sight of the ongoing revolution in human consciousness that he represents. Explore the new book, Jesus 2.1, at www.shopunity.org. Wondering what's happening at Unity Village? Join Dean Ted Collins and guests each Monday at 2 p.m. Central Time as he hosts Village Events and Voices from Unity Village. Stay connected with Unity Village and get news on retreats, special events, newly published authors, and various ways you or your center can be part of the many exciting opportunities Unity Village has to offer. Tune in to catch live interviews of Unity speakers, authors, and newsmakers. It's Village Events and Voices with host Ted Collins, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. If you'd like to share your questions, comments, and experience with today's topics, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery@unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're very glad that you're listening today, and if you're just joining us, our topic is falling apart or coming together, and my guest is Chris Cristaldi. Chris is a long-term member of the recovery community. She's the coordinator for the Northwest Region of Unity Church's um, middle school programming, and she develops programs for them. She's an experiential education facilitator, and Chris has 35 years of experience as a nurse. And Chris is sharing with us today about the process of change, which is one that she has engaged for herself at many levels and also that she facilitates for other people. So, Chris, just before the break, you were telling us about uh, a challenge course. First, tell us a a little bit about what a challenge course is, and then you've got a great story about how you really uh, trusted some people on that. So what's a challenge course? Well, another name that people use for a challenge course is a ropes course. And the popular vision is um, flying through the trees, say, in the rainforest in, po- in Costa Rica, so you don't harm the trees, but you can be up there in the beauty. That's more of adventure education. I work at an educational challenge course that has 36 acres, nope, sorry, 30 acres, but it has 36 different elements or conundrums. 30 of them are on the ground, <clears throat> excuse me, one or two feet off the ground with wires and ropes and different things. And there's six elements that are called the high elements, and you are up in the trees, one, two, two and a half stories high, faced with your, your challenges. Uh, one of them being physically the wire, the other one being spiritually your trust of your higher power within you and all around you, and the other one is emotional. It's where where are you routing or sensing or responding to your emotions? So it's a multifaceted learning experience. Um, so you ready for me to go back to the story? Yeah, so tell us your story. So, so I got to camp because, you know, as a good church volunteer, I sat there and somebody um, was presenting and said, you know, we really could use at our summer program a, a nurse. We need a nurse. And I go to myself, well, I'm a nurse. And if she knew how to sing a few songs at campfire, that would be good. I could sing a few songs. I'm sure they're very 
non-judgmental about a non-singer. And so I raised my hand and I went. And it just so happened that one of my kids was of age to go that time. So I showed up knowing nothing about the ropes challenge course. <clears throat> and for the ensuing three years, I was offered the opportunity to go up a ladder and get myself up on a steel cable and cross about a 50-yard chasm of steel cable to go up on a platform, to go on what's called a zip, zip line. I'm sure many of uh, your listeners have heard or experienced a zip line. And, and so for, it took me three years before I got up on the wire and actually started stepping. And I was 100% successful every year. It did not matter whether I started the ladder, whether I touched the wire, whether I put on the climbing gear. That didn't matter. I was 100% successful, successful for just being there. So year three, I'm going to climb this. And talk about the immediacy of prayer when you are up on the cable and you start hearing your, your negative messages. You're not strong enough. You're not good enough. Oh, my, you are too old. Who do you think you are? And to acknowledge that those, thank you, and I'm choosing not to listen right now. And to use the positive aspects of what I'm learning I am and to shuffle my way over there in 50 yards. So many times in my life, I think I know, you know what you know. You think you know what you know. And so I saw a box up on the platform, and I said, oh, that box must be filled with rescue equipment. As a nurse, I would assume that was rescue equipment. No, no, no. I finally make my way up to the platform, and the facilitator, who I now have a death grip on, and thank goodness he's a unity guy, and I said, and he goes, so now you have to step up on that box. And I don't want to tell you how crazy I, I sounded, but it's like, you're kidding me. I thought that box was rescue equipment. You want me to stand up on that box on the edge of this platform? He goes, yep, that's where you have to go in order to get down. I said, no other way down? So I'm bargaining now. No other, no other way down, Chris. And so he, and, he, and I said, I, I need you to say some type of a prayer, prayer. So he prayed with me as I had this huge flush of adrenaline moving through my body with the shakes and unclear mind and just releasing into the prayer. And I, to this day, I think he would have stayed there for, um, until dark if that's how long I needed. And so um, it took about, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes. And eventually, with his support and, uh, and God, I stepped up on the box. And when you're ready, and a lot of people do one, two, three, go. And I remembered that God and I was our one, and I had these adorable, wonderful youth at the bottom of the hill, 100 yards through the trees, they're in the field, they're my catch team. And they're saying, we love you, Chris, we're here for you, Chris, you can do it. And I'm just standing there, and I finally remembered that Spirit and I were one, and I went three, two, one. And I did not jump. I just fell into the wire and zipped down. And it was amazing. It, it was like shedding a skin of uh, wrong belief. Everything that I thought that I, I was in terms of negative beliefs, I, sh I left it up there in the ethers. And I went down the wire. And they caught me. And I was shaking like a leaf. And they were the most competent catch team anybody could have had. And... Um, and so one of the adult reflections is to have these competent middle school youth present and to reflect that when I was young, there wasn't a lot of acknowledgement of competency or ability to stretch and engage. Um, so that's my story on the, um, on the zip line. I've written it a couple of times for a couple of different credits in my undergraduate degree. Um, and I've, I've continued on and met a couple other of, uh, challenges on the, on the course. But it's a metaphor for how I'm willing to engage in life. Yeah. All the elements there. there. Go, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say that the previous year, I was at the foot of the ladder ready to go up on the wire, and I was at the top of the ladder and ready to hook on 
my lobster claw, which is a, um, a safety device from one wire to the other. It's required to proceed on. And I, I looked to my right down to the ground, and there were four of my team um, on the side who had already done this, and they're really busy talking about what they were going to wear to the dance. And all my trust shattered. And um, I just basically got back down on the ladder, just went back down on the ground, and I didn't speak to them about it. I just knew what I, what I needed, the conditions that I needed to continue and that was not my year. That was not my year. So, yeah. When you talk about this and those two stories, it's such a contrast about, in your first story, the elements there that were necessary for you to be willing to take the risk and to change your self-concept and to stretch how you uh, were willing to act. And in that second story, um, I think that, that shows why a lot of times we aren't willing to change. What did you gain from those two experiences, putting them side by well, side? The, the, first ex- the, the first experience, meaning year two, when I did not complete it because the kids were really busy in, in terms of what they were going to wear and who were they, they were going to do. No, I mean, no, I really mean that, yeah, the, that one and the one where you did do the zip line. Right. Yeah. That was that I wasn't, I, had, I didn't, couldn't trust them because they weren't attending to me. Their eyes were supposed to be up and they were supposed to be watching my switch of my carabiner from one wire to the other and giving me permission to move on. So they weren't there for me, and I wasn't um, willing to be vulnerable in terms of what I saying what it was I needed. And the following year, I was willing to be vulnerable and, and truly deeply open to them and telling them what I needed and how I needed them to, to stay with me. Um, as I fully participated. And I think those are the words I said because I didn't define it because I was going to fully participate at whatever level and I had no idea if this was the year I could step onto the cable and traverse the entire cable to the platform. So I think it's my willingness to be vulnerable in front of others um, and to acknowledge that the energy of, of trust and uh, spiritual presence, that was the difference between the two years. Right. What do you do in your life to cultivate those two things and your willingness to be vulnerable, the trust in people and the trust in your yeah. uh, spiritual presence? Hmm. Well, in this in this camp scenario, we do, it's a coming of age um, process in which we uh, facilitate and guide the youth in being responsible for their presence here on the earth in the very moment, um, their words, their actions, <clears throat> and we, that allows for deep relationship. And so I do the same thing in my life. I understand that I need the ability to have a very deep relationship where it's safe to be fully me with all my character defects or youthfulness or um, with all my presence. And so I have a, I have a mastermind circle of uh, deep friendship that um, judgment does not come into it. Um, anything that we've gone through, we've been together almost over, over 25 years now. Could you tell and, us what a mastermind circle is? Well, mastermind is a is a formulaic prayer circle in which you get together, and there are steps to read, and a um, and to follow guidelines, and then you share what you are wanting to bring into the into the prayer consciousness of that circle. So they're done throughout the Unity Movement. Let's see, was it developed by Jack Bowen? And there's. Um, mastermind journals and books that you can um, purchase or find online that can help you with that prayer. It's very uh, cohesive with the 12 steps, in my opinion. So I, 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 I forge deep relationships, and, um, and I honor myself uh, that I, I used to think I was very uh, gregarious and out there, and I realized that I, I am an introvert. And I need refuel time and quiet time. So I no longer fill my life so much with 
uh, talking and busy busyness. I have to take time to recharge and refuel. And so that's an awareness I have now. And um, yeah, so deep fr- deep friendships. Prayer time. I love my unity community here in uh, West Lynn. Yeah. So did that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, that really got yeah. to it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's, yeah, it's important to keep mm-hmm. cultivating that willingness to be vulnerable. Because mm-hmm. if we're, as you said, when, if we're not able to be vulnerable, we're not going to change. We're going to stay kind of how we are because we've got to protect ourselves. Right. Yeah, defended. And I think that the piece, the correlation that I made over my beginning years in going to this camp was that I was a true student at my church, and I was reading and going through my 12, 12 steps, and yet many of, much of that is done in sitting in a chair and talking from my mind. It's an intellectual activity. And what this work with middle schoolers did and engaging in the challenge course um, experiential education was to uh, support me in journeying from my mind to my heart. And for me, that came by being engaged in my body. Um, I think in the first couple of years, I said the following thing, and it stuck. Uh, you know, I have, I have Chris's out-of-your-chair ministry because that's when these truths and self-awarenesses, that when I gain the insights is when I get out of my chair and I'm active. And, it, you know, praying up at 50 feet off the ground and uh, walking toward a meeting with um, a couple of kids who have had a strong disagreement with strong words or strong actions, and I have to be with them and to see the Christ in them that's putting what I've learned in my head to the footwork, um, the footwork of life. So that's the journey. That's why I love, that's why I embrace experiential education, because I can learn a lot in a book and spout it out on a paper, 20-page paper, it's when it comes into fruition into my life that it becomes whole and becomes a part of me. Mm -hmm. I know you obviously, go ahead, I know you, go ahead, what were you going to say? Oh, no, no. Okay. I I know that you love to facilitate change, obviously, in in the work with the middle schoolers and with other people. Mm -hmm. Why, what? What uh, do you enjoy about that, and what do you notice about people as they're going through that change process? Well, we set up what I what I call a three-legged stool, and the first one is that our uh, facilitation and is a mindful creation of a trust culture, both through the heart agreements that the young people um, sign and uh, abide by, and then we acknowledge coming of age, coming of age in the middle schoolers, but also in every adult that's there. You're always having a coming of age in one aspect or another, uh, one decade to the next or one career to the next. You're coming of age. Um, and let's see, the three, the trust culture, and then experiential education is getting out of your chair and applying the unity, unity principles to every aspect of the camp. Yeah. What do you and notice they, re- when- they react. They love it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they challenge it for the first, about first 12 hours, and when they find that I, we truly mean, all the facilitators together, we truly walk the talk. We mean what these, what these principles and guidelines say, and that this is a counter-cultural experience. So we're going to use compassionate language. We're going to um, practice, practice peace however that that means, whatever that means for you. And and we're going to stick to the heart agreements and we're going to behold the Christ in you to be the highest and best, the truth and beauty that you you truly are. And that when they they experience the lack of um, relational aggression, bullying, which is so common, uh, there's a lack of put-downs, there's a lack of... um, Clumping together, you make true connection in your families. We're grouped together in family units of 10 to, 10 to 12, 14 people, adults and youth. And they, they, they see that we are true to our word. So you, can, you gain trust by having a series of trustworthy experiences. 
And that's what every adult who volunteers shows up to be and to do for them. Great. Hang on to that. We're going to uh, take another break. We'll be right back. Our topic is falling apart or coming together, talking about change. And my guest is Chris Castaldi. Stay with us. We'll be right back. From on the air to on the sea, pack your bags and come with me. Hey, hey, what you waiting for? An early winter rendezvous with all the things you love to do. Hey, hey, treat yourself to more. A little more summer, a little more sun, a little less work and a lot more fun. A little more beach, a little more sand. A little less stress and a lot more pain. Join your favorite Unity Online Radio hosts for Cruise in the Caribbean, November 10th to 17th, 2012. On this fun-filled Caribbean adventure, enjoy sunshine, exceptional dining, and island excursions. Feed your spirit with music, message, and meditation, plus one-on-one time with some of your favorite hosts. That's Cruise in the Caribbean, November 10th to 17th, 2012. To learn more, go to unity.fm slash cruise. A little more sunset, a little more sea, a little less do and a lot more be. of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and to join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. If you have a question, comment, or experience with today's topic you'd like to share, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery, where we're glad that you're listening with us today. And if you're just joining us, our topic is falling apart or coming together. And my guest is Chris Castaldi. Chris is a longtime member of the recovery community. She is the coordinator and program developer for the Northwest Region of Unity Church's Middle School Youth Program. She's an experiential education facilitator, and she has 35 years of experience as a nurse. And Chris is talking with us about the process of change and about how um, it takes trust and takes that vulnerability and willingness in a, a safe context to be willing to grow and change. So, Chris, before the break, you were telling us about um, how when you do these camps with the middle school age uh, teens that what's happening is that you're creating really a counterculture. You're creating a culture where people act in peaceful ways, act in nonviolent ways, mm-hmm. and, and you support that. How do you see the, the teens changing through that process? Well, I think they're willing to, expo- again, be vulnerable and expose some of um, their their insecurities or their wonderings um, uh, to take some of their challenges. And they have challenges that are as broad and wide and deep as any adult challenge. And to take some of those and put them in the light of spirit and not just the concrete um, facts of their experience, um, you know, whether they be living in a foster home, whether they have a parent that cannot attend to them, um, or they've had some, they've witnessed some very, very difficult things in their life. They can step into spirit and use some tools 
to um, shine some light into that uh, and, and relate to each other, not through the eyes of um, TV commercials or the, a cultural view of beauty. They can look at someone of the same or opposite gender and say, I see the Christ in you, or I love you. You're a, I, I always want you to be my friend. Thank you for today. Um, every evening at 6.30, we have a community meeting. We pass a talking stick that was made by the camp elders for us, and it's compliments and concerns, and it's mostly compliments. It's mostly expressions of gratitude for the simplest of act or um, a, a, or not simple act. It's, it's strengthening. <clears throat> How often do we sit around, even in a family dinner, and have uh, a circle of affirmation, of gratitude toward each other, an acknowledgement of the gifts that we have brought to the day? So it's a very strong moment. And the one who's talking is the one that's holding the stick. And the entire rest of the room, whether it be 60 or 100 people, are sitting and listening with their heart. Very powerful um, cultural moments. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And, and isn't that what we all want, I think, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You brought up an interesting point earlier when you were uh, talking now about the idea of having the students look at the difficulties in their life from a spiritual perspective. When change is happening, a lot of times it seems like all the outer situations in our life are coming unglued and we can sometimes feel like we're falling apart and stuff is probably falling apart on the outer sometimes our situations but looking at it from that spiritual perspective what's really going on is that we're actually coming together we're emerging Mm -hmm. um i I know you've had some experiences with that in your more recent life you started on a a college program with a really uh, strong interest in the change process and you were creating mm-hmm. a capstone project about that, and you thought you were writing a paper, but what was happening was your life was changing. Every single, every single aspect of my life, and of course in academia, they want me to define what change, what change are you talking about? Are you talking about change within an individual, change between two people? And I finally been, begun to use the word transformation because there's transformations going on within me that then, then allow changes, transformations between my, the people that I have relationships with. And so the joke is um, that now that I'm at the end of my academic career and finishing my capstone project, almost every major segment of my life has changed in ways that I never could have predicted. Um, uh, my husband and I decided to end our 39-year marriage. Um, we let go of the custom-built house that we had built in the last five years. Um, what other changes besides becoming a grandma, a GMA, and I'm about to let go of the school that's been one of my bases for the last 10 years. Um, a woman that has been one of my mentors is retiring. Uh, just... Deep changes, deep changes all around. And I use my, I, I just use humor for a lot of things. And, you know, as I, as, if I'm a nurse in a camp, I just can't get too excited if everybody has blood circulating and a good respiratory and heart rate, you know. There's certain things to be excited about when you have some nursing experience and other things that are very workable and doable. And I really felt that my life was coming apart. And, uh, needed to grab onto my tangible experience of change and insight that I gain through working with children and with the cha- as a facilitator, because I have also facilitated adults, and know that coming apart is reorganization for my, for my greater being. It's, it's my, the molecules of myself, the molecules of my life, my living system, is reorganizing for for greater and sustained life, and um, I had to hold that uh, hold on to that as a warrior, as everything appeared to 
be falling away. That's that's the traditional concept that I wanted that I kept trying to grab and no, it's reorganizing. It's reorganizing for the greater good, and I'm a part of the greater good. That's very similar to going back to the days when I first let go of my self-medication. You know, who am I? What do I do without that? And so who am I? What do I do without this lifelong spouse, without a house? Um, uh, My job also shifted at the same time. It was really hilarious. I tried to keep laughing so I wouldn't be crying. <laughs> yeah. So it was a coming apart so I could um, uh, come together in a new way, which I, which I am. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. really something. Yeah, so I gotta, I'm just so curious about what your conclusions are in your paper that you're writing. Uh, my, my conclusions, well, it's, kind of simple that change is inevitable and you can become invested in the change and incorporate it in or you can resist it and um, you know that's the the simplest one I think change is a multi uh, has so many factors in it it needs to have a physical factor an intellectual factor and a um, spiritual factor and I think there's many, many members of the community, the recovery community, that discovered that long before I came to it. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, and it needs it needs a trust, um, a trustworthy environment, and it, and you need, I need to be able to be vulnerable, to know that I don't know, and to be open to new experience and to seek the conditions in which I can be open to a new experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's individual for everyone. I think there are people who are willing to be open to a new experience, be vulnerable, and trust the um, camps that I put on. And uh, we'll be having a family camp um, this at the end of August. And and they they trust that through the through maybe my reputation and having sent kids there and have them come home so engaged and more mature or more aware, self-aware. And so they're willing to show up. So, I mean, for me, it was, I was willing to show up. What are you hoping that in the, at this family camp you will at literally be having families? And I know you define family uh, very broadly. You can have a family of one, but you're going to have it as a family-oriented experience and doing some of the kinds of things that you've done with the middle school students. What are you hoping to gain, that people will gain from this camp that might be different from uh, one with just the middle school students? I'm hoping they gain some um, insight into themselves that will um, also uh, allow them to uh, create relationships with others. And they may be relationships with others inside the camp, or it may be something that they take home. Um, I think insight comes before um, before the change, and to be awake to an insight about yourself in relationship to yourself or in relationship to others. So we hope that um, that in fun and in participating in challenge course uh, advent- conundrums and experiences that they can gain insight and um, the insight to themselves and to others. And this may happen within family units. Um, as you said, I'm going to show up as a family of one. Um, I haven't gotten any um, RSVP from a, one, a daughter and her five-year-old that might come. But, uh, yeah, and I hope to gain insight on myself. Yeah. Sounds great. Sounds really great. The most great. important thing for me is to offer them a trustworthy uh, um, experience in where you're having fun and being with your uh, unity community, recovery community, and um, maybe your family of origin if you're uh, if you choose to come with your family of origin, uh, and a safe place to come apart because that is can be part of the process. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what? Um, 
as we're about to wrap it up here, what would you like to share? What final word do you have for us about change? That um, every every living system must must change, undergo change in order to stay alive. Uh, it's as simple as looking at your exchange of oxygen and, car- and carbon dioxide. That exchange must happen for you to live. And uh, you can look at it as a long-term evolutionary process or you can look at it in the here and now. That change is a part of a healthy living system. And when I say living system, I mean you individually in your skin or a organization. Maybe you sit um, on a board or maybe you work with a volunteer organization. And for that system to be healthy, it must breathe, be able to bring in new newness, whether it be in ideas, energy, insight, and to breathe out the old. So change is like respiration, organizationally or in a body. And that's Chris, the best metaphor I can come up with. That's a beautiful metaphor. I like it. I'm going to take it with me and put it into to practice in my life. Chris, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for being candid and for telling us about yourself and about your engagement uh, and profound interest in this change process and facilitating that for others. We're glad you're with us today. Thank you very much for having me here today, and thank your audience for being present, too. Great. Well, next week, uh, come back and listen, and we're going to have the topic, Stepping Up to Spiritual Growth. My guest is Beth A. She's a family member in recovery, and she's going to be telling us how she uses the 12 steps uh, to keep bringing continual spiritual growth in her life, even after many years in the recovery process. So thanks for joining us. Thanks God bless you, and we'll see you next week. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. Thank you for tuning in to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific for down-to-earth ideas on keeping spirituality in the heart of your recovery. Spirit of Recovery, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at www.soulmatters-spiritworks.org. Wondering what's happening at Unity Village? Join Dean Ted Collins and guests each Monday at 2 p.m. Central Time as he hosts Village Events and Voices from Unity Village. Stay connected with Unity Village and get news on retreats, special events, newly published authors, and various ways you or your center can be part of the many exciting opportunities Unity Village has to offer. Tune in to catch live interviews of Unity speakers, authors, and newsmakers. It's Village Events and Voices with host Ted Collins, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. According to an ancient Hindu teaching, if you can only speak the truth and tell no lies for 12 consecutive years, you can attain enlightenment. Resolve to be honest with yourself and others starting today. And after 4,383 days, you just may become enlightened. This meditative moment from Reverend Joan Gattuso and Unity Magazine is brought to you by Unity. Whether you love the Bible or hate it, turn to it daily or refuse to have it in your house, The Bible Alive! Exploring Your Spiritual Roadmap is a program designed just for you. Here on Unity FM, Unity Minister Rev. Ed Townley presents the Bible as a practical, powerful spiritual roadmap full of wisdom and guidance for the challenges of life today. 
A roadmap for your spiritual journey. Isn't that just what you are seeking? Join us every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, for The Bible Alive, exploring your spiritual roadmap with Rev. Ed Townley, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.